The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 74th ever show of All Around Sports. Each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports, one word, Com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week, as well as discuss the event that I attended. Also, during the show, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post Sports Department. Well, my highlight of the week was attending the Arizona Cardinals' amazing upset of the New England Patriots on Sunday at Gillette Stadium just a few minutes from where I'm speaking to you. And it was uh, a fascinating game, as you all saw. Um, the first thing that struck me was it was an absolute deja vu win of the Patriots beating the Ravens in the AFC Championship last January, which was the last real football game I had attended at Gillette Stadium prior to this past Sunday. And what was so identical to the AFC title game was, of course, uh, the missed kick to end the game. Again, wide left, exactly like Billy Cundiff's was. Stephen Goskowski, normally dependable, but not a kicker who's faced a lot of these last-minute situations. Uh, you know, it was all right there for him, and uh, again... Uh, the kick was in the same end zone as the Cundiff miss last January. And my seat was the same, so I had the exact same angle, which was the opposite end of the stadium. So I knew as soon as anybody that it was wide left. And uh, what was, again, reminiscent of the end of the Patriots-Ravens title game last year was that uh, the Arizona Cardinals players came running on the field, and it looked Literally, exactly, like when the Patriots stormed the field after Cundiff missed his kick. So you'd have thought literally the Cardinals looked uh, as if they had just won a game that was sending them to the Super Bowl, a la the Patriots of a year ago. Uh, what set the stage, of course, for that kick was just an amazing 
fumble as the uh, Cardinals were basically winding down the clock. They had the game in hand. A lot of people were leaving Gillette Stadium. Uh, fortunately, we decided to stay and glad we did because it was one of the more surreal cheers I've ever heard inside that stadium. And I've been going for the 10 years since it opened. Uh, nobody could believe what they had just seen. So it was like this sort of low rumbling cheer that just, you know, gathered momentum as people realized what had just happened. The Patriots were getting the ball back. The Cardinals had unbelievably fumbled with the game basically in hand. And uh, and while you all know the rest of the story, the Patriots had a draw play for a touchdown by Danny Woodhead that was called back uh, on a hold against Rob Gronkowski. So it was a pretty crazy ending, not unlike, again, the crazy ending of the AFC title game last January. So uh, the reason in my mind why the Patriots lost was pretty simple. Uh, when tight end Aaron Hernandez went out early in the game with a ankle sprain, it just completely took the Patriots' offense right out of their game. You could just see it. It was obvious and evident. Uh, from that moment on, uh, the Patriots clearly have gone to a tight end-based offense, uh, and why wouldn't they, with Gronk and Hernandez uh, as the centerpieces, uh, two of the more talented tight ends, if not receivers, in the league. And, uh, you know, it's further evidenced by the fact that uh, the Patriots the other day signed Kellen Winslow, who... Uh, has a knee injury, but yet the Patriots brought him in because clearly they are wedded to this uh, new tight end offense. And another piece of evidence on this front is uh, the fact they are not using uh, Wes Welker, which has become basically a national story. It's a huge story up here in New England and is getting a lot of play nationally. Uh, what's going on there? That's the big question. So as Julian Edelman has been getting more playing time than Welker and uh, the Patriots also signed Dion Branch, brought him back this week. So, as always, a lot of drama surrounding the Patriots and uh, huge game, speaking of the Ravens-Patriots, huge game this Sunday night, Patriots at Ravens. And uh, that's going to be uh, must-see TV. That's the game of the week, obviously. And one of the interesting additions, if you will, to attending games at Gillette Stadium was that uh, the Patriots installed Wi-Fi, which was just spectacular. Uh, I hooked up to the Gillette wireless network with my iPhone and was able to get instant play-by-play -play description literally within seconds after the play had occurred right in front of me. And best of all, most of all, was I could get NFL Red Zone right in the stadium on my iPhone. So it was truly, uh, for this red zone addict, uh, the best of all worlds. I was literally at the game watching it in person, and at breaks, timeouts, what have you, I could look right down and watch uh, every game from around the league occurring simultaneously. It was absolutely awesome, to say the least. So, uh you know, going to the next level. And in addition to that, the Patriots were playing on their spectacular HD scoreboards in the stadium. A lot more red zone than has ever been played in the past. So 
The NFL, as we know, has been uh, putting a lot of emphasis on enhancing the game day experience for those at the games, and uh, it's succeeding because Sunday was just wonderful to watch a dramatic game like that, and like I said, just be right there with a glance to my iPhone of uh, keeping abreast of all the other games going on around the league was just uh, as good as it gets. My low light of the week is uh, the immediate fallout that has occurred uh, in less than a week with the NHL lockout. Um, it just seems like both sides are hunkering down, and this could take a while. This is not going to get over anytime quickly, and the reason I say that, obviously, is that many, many of the star players have signed just in the last 48 hours to, uh, to play overseas in Europe. Uh, the list is attention-getting, to say the least. I mean, players who've already signed are, you know, superstars. Nicholas Backstrom, Pavel Datsik, Yager, Yarmar Yager, Ilya Kovacic, Evgeny Malkin, Rick Nash, Alexander Ovechkin, Joe Thornton, and up here in Boston that is just sending uh, tremors uh, through the Bruins fan community is uh, Tyler Sagan signed to play in Switzerland. Uh, he just signed a new contract. He is, you know, the new face of the franchise, shall we say, and deservedly so. He's a, a superstar in waiting if he's not there already. And very interesting this week in relation to the lockout is that Jeremy Jacobs, longtime owner of the Bruins, appears to be the lead owner in all of this. Yet he signed not only Sagan, but also... Uh, Milan Lucic, both to long-term contracts, both in the last week or two, as in leading right up to the lockout. It was actually last week when he signed both of them, literally hours ahead of the lockout. So thought that was interesting, shall we say. Don't know what it all means, but uh, something tells me it isn't good. But the good news is, uh, without hockey anytime in uh, the near future, apparently, uh, Believe it or not, the Boston Celtics and other NBA teams as well begin training camp next week. So basketball's here, hockey's not, and uh, not good for any of us. My bizarre story of the week is the Vince Young financial saga, where apparently he is broke after starting off his NFL career with a $26 million guaranteed contract. And apparently he has just blown through it all, going to places like uh, TGI Fridays, Cheesecake Factory. You've probably all read the stories right now. Uh, and many hands, in many ways, it sounds like he's an awfully generous guy, apparently treating his offensive lineman to $6,000 dinners at, uh, <clears throat> at TGI Fridays, things like that. But... Uh, you know, he's suing his former financial advisors, and uh, it's just a big mess. But, you know, just hard to believe where Vince Young literally played one of the greatest games in the history of college football, single-handedly practically delivered the national championship in that epic Rose Bowl game against USC. And really, it's been all downhill ever since. You know, had some issues with the Titans, as we all remember, a couple of years back, and now we can see how they were interwoven into uh, all the financial aspects of things. So it'll be interesting to watch how that all uh, turns out for Vince Young. My event of the week 
that I attended for the third year in a row was former Patriots offensive lineman and protector of Tom Brady's blind side for the past decade, Matt Light, holding his eighth annual celebrity shootout. And I don't mean golf. I mean shooting with a gun at uh, uh, clay pigeons, that type of thing, at a uh, shooting area down in Rhode Island called Attaville Farms. It's great. And it probably is my favorite athlete foundation event that I attend every year. It's outside. It's all day. It was two days after the Patriots uh, lost to the Cardinals, yet uh, everybody from Rob Gronkowski to Zoltan Mesko uh, to just countless current and former Patriots turned out. And uh, it's just an absolutely spectacular day. And here's what Matt had to say about his shootout. It doesn't get much better than this, and we shoot a sporting clays course with a whole bunch of the guys on the team, other local celebrities, and it's all to help raise money for the Life Foundation, uh, which now we're going on year number 11, and the eighth year for this event, and this is really what affords us uh, the ability to go out and create the unique programs that we have and run the facility that we have and get the kids involved with the things that we do. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about the foundation. You know, we, we formed the Life Foundation in 2002 officially and uh, really had um, the mindset that we would get kids in the outdoors and teach them life skills and create opportunities for them that they wouldn't otherwise have. And um, after more than a decade, we've been able to do um, a lot of those things that, that we set out to accomplish. And the kids that we work with, they're great. And the impact that you know they've had on us and that we've had on them has been uh, truly, uh, truly exceptional. Can you talk a little bit, you know, now that you're retired, it's a little uh, different trying to get guys and get people. And we have the answer to that question coming right up with Matt Light's second audio on his foundation event. It's always a game time decision, so to speak. Um, I wouldn't put any of them on the doubtful list, but there's always the probables because of injury or what they're facing, um, you know, with the team and, and the requirements that they come with having a real day job. But um, for them to give up a day and come out here and support this, which they've done every single year for uh, eight years now, is truly incredible and, and something that I, that I really appreciate, you know. So that's Matt Light, uh, former offensive lineman of the Patriots, talking at his foundation event this past Tuesday in Rhode Island. And Matt Light is just truly one of the great guys I've ever encountered in sports. He's always was fabulous in the locker room, and he is certainly missed there by all members of the media. Just an easygoing, affable, likable guy who is uh, always ready for a quote for the media. And uh, so he's clearly missed by the media, but more importantly, he's clearly missed, I think, by the Patriots. Uh, you know, just looping back to what I started the show with, which is, uh, <clears throat> you know, the Patriots lost to the Cardinals. Uh, clearly, the number one potential Achilles heel of the Patriots and their potentially awesome offense, at least it has been the past few years, is the offensive line and protecting Brady and uh, didn't go well in the preseason. Uh, hasn't really gone well this year. I mean, the first game against the Titans was okay, but <clears throat> last week watching in person, uh, Brady was under severe pressure. So the offensive line 
at best is a work in progress. Matt Light's gone, and he was the anchor. Make no mistake about it. And uh, Brian Waters apparently is not coming back. All pro from last year, <clears throat> so it's in transition. But uh, you know, when transition means Tom Brady could be uh, facing constant pressure, that's a potential big problem. So now, as my former co-host Lemont Williams from outside the huddle likes to say. It's time to pay some bills, so let's take a break. And next up will be my weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go. You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the Internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. Barry, how are you doing today? I'm excellent, John. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Uh, well, why don't we start off with, it was a, it was a bit of a sad week in that... Uh, NFL Films legend Steve Sable died. He's been sick for a while, and it was just uh, news that swept through the NFL world all week. Uh, I know you have a story. I, I have one somewhat related in that I've had the pleasure of being at NFL Films twice in the past few years, as recently as this past June. I spent a day at NFL Films attending the NFL's Player Engagements Broadcast Boot Camp, uh, where I gathered information for the article that I've mentioned the past few shows, uh, my special ad section that I wrote on NFL Player Engagement in uh, the September 3rd issue of Bloomberg Business Week. And NFL Films is one of the most 
impressive and coolest places I've ever been in my life. Again, uh, I was there four years ago as well, and uh, it's just, I've never been to the Hall of Fame, but I've got to think that the Hall of Fame would have to be pretty impressive to surpass it, because it feels like a museum, like a Hall of Fame, and just walking through, you know, the hallways, sitting in the rooms uh, with the players attending broadcast boot camp. There's just pictures everywhere, memorabilia, all the technical stuff, the actual, you know, I was in the room where they actually film, you know, inside the NFL, things like that. It's just amazing. I sat in Ron Jaworski's office and listened to him talking to some broadcast boot camp attendees who are former players and it was just again both times absolutely special uh for me never had the chance to meet steve sable so many times at various games i was attending uh but special guy and and clearly he changed the way we watch all sports without a doubt what are your yeah. thoughts about yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and they talk about it all the time. They mentioned it on the broadcast last night, the uh, Giants-Panthers game, and we'll hear a lot more of that, excuse me, this weekend uh, as we go into you know, the regular Sunday games. But, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, everything the NFL does, every 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 the way the NFL broadcasts games from the, the super slow modes, the putting mics on players to, you know, the, the, the different angles that they, they show replays at, this is all most of it due to NFL films and, and the influence and, and the, uh, the pioneering of Steve Stable. I mean, the guy was so far ahead of his time, and he always said that he viewed his job more as like an artist, like an artist behind the game. And he, he was, was fiercely loyal to the NFL, fiercely loyal to the games, to the players, to the coaches, to everyone who made, who made, it, who made the league run. And he always felt that his task was a storyteller. As an artist, as as someone who could you know kind of tell the story behind him, and did that so well just from 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 the very early stages. I mean, you you mentioned that you had been to the facility fairly recently. Um, I had a trip to the facility it was a long time ago. It was back in the uh, early '80s when I was a very young uh, young uh, cup reporter, shall we say, twenty-something reporter for my first newspaper, a uh, small newspaper in Morristown, New Jersey, the Daily Record. And uh, I had the opportunity to go down to NFL Homes for a day and actually spend a day with Steve Stable. And I have to tell you, and I remember thinking this at the time, when I was, even when I was very young, I remember thinking this. I was there the whole day, and he, he personally gave me a tour of the entire complex. Um, the thing I remember most about it was um, we, he took me into what they call the wine cellar, which you probably got to see too. It's a huge, huge warehouse. Uh, filled with just reels and reels and reels of, of game footage. Um, they have every play of any every NFL game dating back to the 50s, I believe, and there were some some uh, contests that go back as far as the 30s, some games. Um, and it, it, it kind of reminded me of, if you remember the last scene of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where they put the Ark in the, uh, in the, you know, the US, property U.S. government never opened in that warehouse. Right. That was like looked like it was like five miles long. That's the way that that that's that's kind of what it felt like. Um, but the thing that the thing that I remember most about that day, and you know, he introduced me to a lot of different people, and he was telling me stories and going over. It was it was shortly after John Facenda had died. And remember, John Facenda, of course, was the voice of God, you know, the original voice of NFL films, you know, Lambeau Field, The Frozen Tundra. That was John Facenda, and oh, yeah. it was shortly after he had died, and. 
I was there sitting in Steve Stable's office, and we were talking. About, I asked him, well, you know, who's, you know, have you thought about who would replace John Fassenda? He goes in his desk, pulls out this huge box, right? Puts the box, plunks the box on the, on the desk in front of me, and says, these are all the people who have applied. Just cassette tapes. It's just like he pulls up like this handful of cassette tapes. Just, these, I'm going to go through them on my way home, listen to them in the car. But these are the to be everybody wants to be a part of this. And the point, I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, and getting back to this, is that, you know, here I am, a young, you know, 20-something-year-old kid. He could not have been more gracious, more patient, more charming. I mean, he, he treated me the same way as I'm sure he would have had it been, say, from the New York Times or Sports Illustrated or... You know, ESPN, if there were, the ESPN was just getting started back then. But the, the point is, he was so nice and so accommodating. And, and you know, you normally hear when, when, when someone passes on, you wish, oh, what a wonderful person he was. And you, you hear this, too, that he's stable, but it's so sincere. And you hear all these stories from all these different people saying the kind of types of things he did behind the scenes, uh, things he did, you know, where he's not looking to be paid, things he did for free. Just a really, really wonderful man. And, um... Yeah, he was, he was really terrific, and I've heard lots of, lots of similar stories from other people in kind of similar situations, but I know just having dealt with him on that one day of that, that personal experience, he was, he was terrific. He really was, and you never heard anyone say a bad word about Steve Stable, but, you know, on top of just being like a wonderful, wonderful human being, from, from my impressions of him, uh, you know, what a pioneer, you know, what a forward thinker, and, you know, as you know, getting back to the original point, a lot of what we see in the NFL today is based on his ideas and, and, and things that, 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 uh, that he did. And, uh, you know, we're all much better for it and much worse for it with his passing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, yes, I am familiar with the video vault. And if I'm not mistaken, it may be the largest video library in the world. I think I've heard not that mentioned. That wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. Yes. And, uh, yeah, again, just I'm glad you were there as well. Just a special place, NFL Films in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. And uh and in fact, uh for those of you who want a, a peek at it, uh in the special ad section that I wrote for Bloomberg Business Week on NFL player engagement is a part of the story is a large picture taken in a room at NFL Films that I was in. Uh, of players sitting around a table, former players that are attending the broadcast boot camp. And as you can see from this picture, in the background are great pictures adorning the walls and Brian Baldinger's in the, in the photo. And, uh, every room at NFL Films looks like this. Every room in and of itself is its own mini museum. So again, uh, the Bloomberg Business Week that came out a couple weeks ago with ESPN on the cover has, again, this great picture literally from inside the room at NFL Films. And uh, this picture, it speaks a thousand words. It will tell you all you need to know about what it looks like inside the uh, the hallowed halls of NFL Films. So, yeah, and I remember that my first time seeing Steve Sable was back at the beginning of my career as well when... Uh, I covered the Steel Curtain era Steelers as a young reporter, and I'd be up at Three Rivers Stadium and saw Steve Sable uh, there on a number of occasions, uh, often just how you dream about, meaning a couple cold-weather playoff games in the late 70s or uh, early 80s, 
And, you know, when I think of NFL films, what I'll always think of, and there's a lot to think of, but to me it will always be, you know, the football fluttering through the snow with the music and the voice of John Facenda. That, to me, is the mental image that conjures up in my mind when I think of NFL films. It really is. Yeah, and, you, we, and I think, you know, again, we, we take a lot of that for granted today. I mean, we all grew up watching NFL films. We all grew up watching, you know, the, game, the NFL game of the week with Pat Summerall every week, right? And, sure. You know, all, and all the, the football follies and all that, and, and, you know, stuff that we really enjoyed. I mean, I, and I think that's one reason why, you know, people, of your football fans of, uh, of our age, maybe, and then I'm, I'm younger, too, you know, have this, this romantic view of, of football and why we love football so much. And a lot of that can be traced to NFL films. And a lot of it can be traced, you know, to the, the funny videos, too. I mean, you know, I'll, I always remember, I, I want to say it was, uh, I want to say it was Lou Saban, the original one, the original, uh, back with the original football follies. Uh, I don't remember which coach it was, but, you know, you'll remember the, the clip. When you know one of the they always used to show the coaches on the sidelines screaming and you know, you're killing me, why do you kill me, right? And uh, you know uh, Jerry Glanville yelling at the refs. You know NFL is not for long to making calls like that. And how about the old you know, Vince Lombardi? You know grab, grab, grab. You know all that stuff. You know all the, you know you know seal here, seal here, run the play up the alley. These are all lines from from things we've seen on NFL films, and these are all things you remember so many years later. At least I do. I'm sure you do. I'm sure a lot of our listeners do too. That they grew up NFL fans, and it just shows you the power, and it shows you the legacy, and it shows you the influence of of what Steve Sable did and what NFL Holmes has done. Yep, and Hank Stram matriculating down the field is yeah. also one of the yeah. all-time famous clips. And you know that just brings to mind what I'm guessing is you know Steve Sable's final stamp on. Uh, you know, coverage of the NFL, which to me, and it's really shown up here recently in the last year, and I'm noticing an enhanced, uh, you know, presentation this year, which is simply audio, the sound. Um, these days, every time I watch, you know, Inside the NFL or, you know, whatever NFL films show that I'm watching, uh, the sound on the sidelines these days is just, and on the field itself, is just remarkable. Uh, you know, the, the hitting, you can hear it, but also, you know, the uncut audio, shall we say, to me has become a much more significant part of the NFL films presentation last year or two. And this year alone, it just seems to be up, you know, yet another level from anything we've ever heard before. Well, I think a lot of that, well, well, yes, absolutely. And again, that's what they did that. They were the first ones to put microphones on players and coaches. Northern League did that. Northern, well, Northern League had a films arm. You know, the NFL films was, was very unique in that way. Um, you know, the NFL was the only league that, that, that had that type of entity. But, you know, again, I think what you're saying, a lot of that probably is also um, a byproduct of, you know, the technological advances made in, you know, TVs and, you know, homes and home theaters and all of that. Where you know a lot of these sounds, you know, you watch a game in stereo now. It's almost like it's almost like you're sitting there. You can hear everything. It's like it's like being at a being at a movie theater. It really is. So you know, we have that technology today, and, and they're using it. So so again, you know, you know the advances that have been made. Uh, you know, you go right back to the base reasons. You know, you can you know, we, you know when you when you're sitting home watching a game and surround sound and hearing the hitting on the field and then and the yelling on the sidelines. You can thank Steve Stable and NFL Films for that. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, further evidence of that is, of course, the show that started a year or two ago uh, on NFL Network called Sound FX, which is, you know, the sounds of the NFL. And again, uh, that has Steve Sable's uh, fingerprints all over it, needless to say. And with that said, uh, Barry, it's time for our break. Uh, I know you're sticking around on the other side where we can talk a little bit of uh, Giants-Panthers football from last night. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Sports have become a big part of everyone's lives today. We all have that team that we live and breathe to follow. We watch hours of football on TV, play Madden sports on our gaming system, and our wives can't seem to tear us from the couch. If this sounds like you, or if you're a football wife who wants a few words, we want to hear from you. Listen for Life, Love, and Sports, featuring your host, Ron Dixon. Ron takes you inside the world of sports and finds out what you, the fan, are talking about today. Listen Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, brought to you by Whitetails Extreme. On this week's program, we'll have Ruger's Roy Potosky and Chevalier Advertising, Shannon Salyer. Plus, we're also going to hear from PR guru Shannon Jackson and Kansas Monster Buck Classic winner Carla Schartz when we talk about women in the outdoors. And it's all brought to you by Ram at RamTrucks.com. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 888 Three four six nine one four four, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Well, Barry, one of the good things about uh, the new NFL schedule this year is that the NFL Network is carrying Thursday night games all season long, which we're just loving because our show's on Friday and we have nice, fresh NFL game to talk about every Friday. And I, for one, just talking about last night's Giants beat down to the Panthers. Uh, I was disappointed for the simple reason that, you know, I, I, like all of us, have seen plenty of Cam Newton highlights, but really was excited to sit down and watch three hours of Cam Newton, and not to mention the, going up against the Super Bowl champions. And, boy, it didn't turn out that way. Let's just say I, I, I didn't sit there and watch for three hours because it was a, uh, a beat down, and... The Giants looked like Super Bowl champs, and uh, Carolina looked like chumps. What were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I would. I, I, now, I did watch the whole game, I, and I would, I would concur with pretty much what you said. 
I mean, you know, this was kind of a little, I think Giants fans maybe a little bit apprehensive, maybe a little bit. I mean, you know, just based on the way they played last week, I mean, Eli was terrific in the fourth quarter last week. I mean, you know, the Giants offense looked like a video game and, you know, uh, with, you know, to, to, uh, with, uh, Cruz and Nick's pretty much doing anything they wanted, um, against the uh, Bucks defense last week. And of course, the game ending with that kneel down play, controversial, uh, kneel down play where the Bucks kind of, you know, bull rush the Giants. We were a little, uh, angst about that. But, you know, coming into this game, you know, national TV, you know, coming, coming, uh, to Charlotte to play the Panthers, you know, Cam Newton, you know, uh, a lot of people have their, you know, the, the ears pricked up about Cam now, uh, you know, very, sure. like you, everybody wanting to see, you know, what he's got. Um, and the Giants coming in and kind of limping around. I mean, David Beal, uh, not playing the, the blind, the blindside left tackle. Ahmad Bradshaw starting, uh, running back, not playing. Akeem Nix, top wide receiver, not playing. So the Giants are really under the net. But from the very get-go, they, 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 they really took them out to the woodshed. They really did. They came right down and scored a touchdown, came right down and scored a field goal. And the kind of the route was on. I mean, they were up 23 nothing. It really wasn't much of a game at all. But, you know, if anything, it, it, to me, it just kind of shows, you know, uh, if one game is, is, a, is a relative sample, which we all know it isn't, everything changes week to week. But, you know, uh, Hakeem Nix is out. Ramsey's Barden steps up and plays a great game. Uh, Ahmad Bradshaw is out. And Andre Brown, who most people have now and not even heard of until this week, runs for over 100 yards, scores two touchdowns. It was just amazing. Uh, David Deal doesn't play a left tackle. They, they switch some things around. They, they patch it up. The offensive line played great. Eli was, you know, really had all day to throw back there. And, you know, the other combination, too, I thought the Panthers really played pretty poorly. I mean, Giants receivers were open all night long. I mean, short, long, everywhere. I mean, it's mostly the short game, I think, because I think the Panthers just didn't want to get beat deep. And so there was, there, was a, there, was, there was a pretty good cushion there on a lot of those passes, the giant wide receivers. But the little five-yard up and out, there were, there were passes where Eli would throw and the Giants receiver would catch. You would not even see a Panthers defender in the picture. You know, it would be that wide open. So, yeah, I think it was a combination of the Giants really being focused coming back and playing a very professional game and the Panthers kind of not. And, you know, the one thing about Cam Newton that I really didn't like, and you'll probably concur with this too if you saw it, was uh, after Cam Newton scored the lone Panthers touchdown, uh, it was 23 nothing at that point. The Panthers had scored to make it 23-7, and Newton went into one of these like celebratory dance numbers, and you know it was really not not the right time for that. I thought, and you know I don't. And uh, the funny thing was, uh, his teammate, uh, long long time uh, veteran receiver Steve Smith, really came down hard on him for that. He uh, yelled at him on the sideline, and he said, "You know what? Cam just has to understand that you know it's it's, it's all about being being supporting your teammates. It's all based about you know being a teammate." And uh, Cam apparently just sat down on the bench and, and brooded and, you know, for the rest of the game and didn't really, you know, interact with his teammates. And, you know, of course, he took the loss hard. But, you know, I, I think this is all part of a, of a maturation process. And, you know, uh, Steve Smith kind of called him out on it. So we'll see, we'll see how he will see how the, uh, the Panthers react. I think more things are expected from them this year. I mean, granted, it's a long season. A lot can still happen. They could improve and they could, you know, emerge into the playoff hunt. But for one game, one night, uh, the Giants showed why they're defending Super Bowl champs, and the, pa- and the Panthers may have showed why they're just not ready to take that step just quite yet. Absolutely, Barry. Not ready for prime time. Uh, no, this was the Panthers, you know, moment in the sun. I'm sure I wasn't alone and you know, again, being excited to sit down and really watch Cam Newton at home against the Super Bowl champs, you know, 
for three hours, not just you know red zone or, or highlights at the end of the day, and uh, just a vast disappointment. You know the world's a little weird when uh, Steve Smith of all people is, uh, shall we say, taking the high road mm-hmm. to bring uh, you know Cam Newton back in line, and Cam of course has one of you know the great you know signature trademark celebrations around with his you know. Ripping open the shirt, so to speak, uh, for the Superman uh, pose, and right. yeah, he he just—I'm uh, sure there was a lot of disappointed people last night. I listened to his post-game press conference. He was practically distraught, uh, would be the best way to describe it. And uh, so, yeah, that's the NFL. You know, they're just—you uh, you just don't know week to week how, you know, these teams are going to perform, and that's what just makes the NFL great, as I witnessed up close and personal Sunday with the Arizona Cardinals coming into Gillette Stadium and and laying the wood on the Patriots. Uh, Let me me just say this is a postscript to my earlier comments. The Cardinals deserve to win that game, period. Uh, You know, and they ultimately did win it, you know, despite their fumble uh, and thanks to the Patriots' missed kick. But, uh... But yeah, you know, it's it's a league of parody, Barry. That's for sure. And you know, it seems like everybody's one and one, and it feels like everybody's going to go eight and eight. Thirty-two teams. Well, that's what that, and that's, and you know what? If in in Roger Goodell's world, that would be great. That's what they want. They want parody. They don't want dynasties. They don't want teams, you know, uh, you know, rolling along for years and years, and then by the same token, they don't want teams floundering for years and years either. They want parody. And you know, this, this week there's. Six games. Six of the games this week are between teams that are one and one. So that tells you something right there. There's only one game between winless teams, uh, Saints and Chiefs. We'll, we'll probably get to that one in a minute. And there's two games between two and O teams. You know, we got the we got Chargers, uh, Falcons, and we have uh, the aforementioned the Cardinals against the Eagles. Another interesting game. But yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the league. You look at last what happened last week. I mean, I think last week was just you know kind of an example of you know the of, you know, the, the, the unexpected being the expected. I mean, you have the Cowboys who really looked impressive being the Giants on opening night. Then they go to, go to Seattle, get their heads handed to them. You have the Cardinals, uh, you know, winning their first game, you know, uh, okay. And then, then they go into Foxborough and win again. And like you said, they may have, they may have deserved to win, but, you know, I think that race, my brother, I mean, certainly nobody expected the Cardinals, you know, to go into Gillette Stadium and beat the Patriots and the way they did it too with uh, the defense playing as well as it did, and, you know, really the, the Patriots not really being in the game at all until the very end, and, of course, having the chance to win. And, you know, when's the last, you see, last time you saw Gostkowski miss a makeable field goal like that? That just doesn't happen. So, you know, it's just weird. I mean, but like you said, that's the NFL. That's the way That's the way it's built. That's the way it's wired. That's the way it's wanted to be. And, uh, you know, as I said, I'm sure if everyone, and as you mentioned, if everyone wound up 8-8 eight and eight at the end of the season, that, that would be like the perfect schedule for the NFL. Absolutely. And no one would be happier than the late Pete Rozelle, which is how that's he right. literally set the league up way back when. And that's why it is such a great league, because, you, again, you just don't know, uh, week to week. And uh, so great game coming up on Sunday night. Game of the week clearly is going to be the Ravens and the Patriots on Sunday night football. And the amazing thing is that on Sunday night at midnight, one of those two teams is going to be under 500 at one and two. 
And I think speaking for the Patriots, it's been something like nine or ten years since they've been under 500, since like 2002, I believe, the year after their first Super Bowl. So, uh, so that's pretty remarkable. Um, but that should just be a great game. And let me just say, in related story to that, that NFL Network had debuted a football life on Ray Lewis the other night. I watched it. It was absolutely spectacular. As someone who grew up in Pittsburgh, I can't say I've ever been a big fan of Ray Lewis. Uh, but, you know, like ha- as happens with many athletes, Derek Jeter comes to mind uh, of an, a, a rival opponent. You know, I've really, really grown to respect him. And to watch him, uh, watch this hour-long uh, tribute is, is riveting. Absolutely must-see TV. Uh, fascinating human being, to put it mildly, and still on an absolute mission to win another Super Bowl, which, you know, uh, really comes across loud and clear. So it makes this Sunday's game, for me, all the more interesting, and I'm sure for anybody who watched that show. Yeah, you know, I, I uh, you know, just based, just based on your recommendation and your brief review, I'm, I'm going to have to make sure I catch that. I do know that they're going to have a similar uh, 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 football life uh, documentary on Tom Coughlin, which I'll, I'll be looking forward to watching. Um, yeah, that's yeah, this I mean, Wednesday yeah. night at 9 p.m., if I'm not mistaken. Yep, yep, I think you're right. And, you know, yep. again, you know, just t- touching our, on our opening segment, you mean, again, you know, this goes back to the legacy of Steve Stable and what NFL films has built. You know, absolutely. I mean, you know, they, they were the first ones to have these types of I mean, I, you know, you know I, I know we're, you know, we're trading over ground we already discussed, but, you know, think of all the, all the old uh, NFL film shows you used to watch all the time, and, they always have the interviews of all the old players telling the stories, you know, the Art Donovans and the, and the Bob LeClairs and all these guys. I mean, it was, as a kid, it was fascinating to listen to those stories of what, you know, the NFL was like in the 1950s, kind of like a, a Wild West kind of atmosphere. It was really, really cool and real, a real treat, you know. And, uh, you know, it just, they've, they've just built on that. They've just built on that and built on that. And, you know, and, and now the, 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 the productions that they do, you know, on, 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 especially on these documentaries, just, just, just really riveting, powerful, terrific stuff. And that's just, again, you know, just, uh, uh, the, the legacy of Steve Stable and what NFL films has, 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 has started out as and, and has become. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for the Coughlin one because, and, uh, I have had the pleasure to meet him and discuss this with him, but he lived across the street from my former house that I lived in near Gillette Stadium for seven years in Norfolk, Massachusetts. Yeah, uh, we weren't there at the same time, but uh, when he coached at Boston College, that's where he lived uh, for a number of years. was highly thought of, I know, by neighbors who lived there at the time he lived there. And uh, when I finally met him at an NFL owners meeting a couple years ago, you know, that's what I said. I, I said, you know, I used to live on, it was actually called Mohegan Street. It was same street as him and, you know, literally across the street down about three houses. And he, he just lit up and uh, his face lit up and we had just a great conversation. He was asking all about, I mean, I'm in the next town over now. So uh, he asked about what's happening in, in the western suburbs of Boston and, uh Mm-hmm. Again, just a terrific guy. I saw him again this year. Uh, 
chatter very briefly at the NFL owners meetings, uh, the day of the NFC coaches breakfast and, and just a nice likable guy. And, uh, but with that, Barry, we're going to take our last break. I know you're sticking around yet again for another, for our final segment. So we'll catch you on the other side. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific time. 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard Hitting Radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Where's America listeners? Welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And back on the line with us is Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And Barry, we've been talking a lot of uh, video during the show with the death of Steve Sable and NFL Films and another NFL Films related show, HBO uh, Showtimes <laughs> Inside the NFL. Uh, watched on Wednesday night as I always do, and they had interestingly chad otosinko johnson on the show basically uh presenting himself uh you know as available for any of nfl teams stating his case if you will talking very openly and very frankly about you know uh the charges against him for allegedly headbutting his wife who then filed for divorce and he was then cut the next day by the dolphins and what I didn't know that was interesting to me was that apparently, like the day before in USA Today, Chris Collingsworth, who was interviewing Chad Johnson the other night, since he's on Inside the NFL, had said uh, in USA Today that it, I guess, came out the day before the headbutting incident, uh, you know, that's something to the effect of say what you want about Chad Johnson, but he's never been in trouble, blah, blah, blah. So that got brought up and, you know, uh, and Chad Johnson also interestingly, uh, talked about, uh, 
he didn't elaborate, and I wish he would have, or I wish he would have been pressed, but he talked about, he dismissed the fact that, you know, he couldn't get the playbook with the Patriots, which most people believe is why he was ultimately let go. But he didn't say what was the problem, which would have been, to me, you know, great, great theater to hear him give the truth as to why he is no longer a Patriot. But again, the long-held belief was he could never get the playbook, and that was the foundational issue of him with the Patriots. I got the feeling, the way his face crinkled up on the show and the way he dismissed it verbally, that that, that at least in his eyes, was not the problem with the Patriots. problem is we don't know what it was, but it will come out. It always does. Uh, but yeah, yeah, again. And then they had him like on some guest segments. I mean, he was part of the show. So I, I guess if you're Chad Johnson, it's just, you know, it's a win-win. Either he, you know, said the right things that might get an NFL team interested, or he gets an early start on his broadcasting career. One way or the other, I'm, I'm glad, I'm sure he was glad to be on that show, put it that way. Well, yeah, I mean, he kind of had nothing to lose, right? I mean, you know. That's it. Nothing, nothing to lose. He's lost yeah. it all. In a hurry. Yeah, really, yeah, so there's really nowhere to go but up, right? I mean. That's it. Uh, yeah, I, I guess, you know, having, you, you having watched that show and me not having watched, I guess the, the one thing I'd be curious about is did it paint him as, of a, as a sympathetic figure? Did it change your mind about him at all? Or, or did it pretty much, much confirm what you thought about him before you watched the show? Great question. Um, I would just say it didn't change it really measurably one way or the other, other than, you know, he did talk more openly and honestly, and it may be the first time really since this all occurred, other than what we saw on Hard Knocks, which wasn't much. Um, yeah, sympathetic. No, that's not a, that's not a term I would really attach to him. Um, you it was very straightforward. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Mm-hmm. What, what's that, Barry? No, I said uh, you're not the only one. I mean, I think that that's, that's pretty much the standard, uh, you know, the standard reaction to Chad Johnson. I don't think people really are, feel sorry for him at all. You know, he pretty much made his bed, and now he's pretty much sleeping in it, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, I, w- I would I would say that uh, you know, but I'm just wondering if he if he, if, he, if, he, if he were contrite, if he were you know, look, I'm just trying to you know, do the best I can and. You know, hopefully some people pick me up, et cetera, et cetera. Which it seems like maybe it seemed like that's the kind of way he wanted to present himself. Yeah, it was very. It was more matter of fact, and basically what he really was saying was the, the overall message was, you know, he got away from what got him to be really great at one time in the NFL. He was an all-pro receiver, and basically he got away from that. He lost his focus, be it reality shows, tweeting constantly, whatever it was. He got away from it. And now he's getting back to it, and he's rediscovering his roots, working out, uh, seeing, you know, uh, seeing professionals, shall we say, for the issues in his life. And, uh, you know, I, I think the real message was, you know, getting back to basics on the comeback trail. And But he wasn't begging, nor was he defiant, but he was probably more on the side of defiant than begging. Um but yeah, good stuff. I mean, it was really, you know, again, uh, interesting, especially to, you know, to someone, you know, to having watched him up close with the Patriots, uh, you know, uh, just last year, hard to believe. Um, so, Barry, 
we're getting yeah. near the end of the show here. How, unbelievable how quickly it goes, but real quick, we're down to a minute. What are your thoughts on uh, the greatest debate in the NFL these days, the referees? Well, uh, apparently they, they did have a bargaining session, and apparently it went nowhere, uh, unfortunately. I mean, I think this week was, was this past week. I think the first week we, we sort of, you know, we, we accepted the referees. Though they, they, I think the first week they did a decent job. There weren't too many incidents, but it seemed like this past week was full of just, just, just bad incidents with the referees and, and you're not knowing the rules and just making wrong decisions and taking a long time. These games have been taking a long, long time to play. A lot of play stoppages, a lot of confusion. And the NFL, you know, this week, uh, today, in fact, coming out with a, with an edict, just basically saying that coaches berating these replacement referees will not be tolerated. I think we saw some examples of that last week of, of coaches just going off on these officials during the game. I'm not talking about post-game press conference. I'm talking about during the game on the field, and it just makes the league look look really bad. So I think it looks bad. You know, and, and again, we've talked about this. It just seems silly for a, for a multi-billion-dollar industry to be basically, you know, kind of haggling over over nickels and dimes with this with this referee's lockout. To me, it's, it's foolish. Um, you know, you're jeopardizing uh, the integrity of the game. You're jeopardizing the health of your players. You're jeopardizing a lot of things. And it, to me, it's just foolish. But this is what they've chosen to do, and they've actually come out with an edict this week saying, "Look, no, uh, we're going to give out penalties uh, at the very least, and perhaps fines if there's going to be any more of this." So they basically came out today and said, "Look, no more, no more berating officials during games." So, you know, that which leads me to believe that you know they're ready to, they're they're prepared to dig in for however long it takes for them to, to get what they want out of this dispute, which is which is unfortunate for for the real referees, and it's also unfortunate for the, for the league, and and in the end unfortunate for all of us and the fans as well. So uh, the league is not showing any signs of resolving this anytime soon, which uh, which is not good news if you're an NFL fan. Absolutely. Well, as the NFL world turns, never a dull moment, that's for sure. And, Barry, I want to thank you for calling in again this week. Great perspective on a number of issues in the world of sports, particularly the NFL. So, Great having you on, and also Voice America, as always. Thank you for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. 